Welcome to the Security Squawk Podcast, where we discuss the business of cybersecurity. Here are your hosts, Brian Horning, Reginald Andre, Randy Bryan, and Ryan O'Hara. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Security Squawk Podcast. We got a lot on tap for you today. Just remember... Fee for the show, if we made you think, if we gave you a new perspective, if there's anything around cybersecurity that we taught you or, um, you know, showed you a new way on how to protect yourself, share your show, share the show with your friends and family. That's all we ask. We don't, um, you know, we don't charge for the show. We don't bore you with ads and uh, we get right to the good stuff, short and sweet or long and sweet, however you want to look at it. And, uh, and that's how we grow the show, by your support, sharing it, liking, subscribing, and reviewing on your favorite platforms. Helps us out. Thank you. Guys, another LastPass issue over. <laughs> well, more more information on the ongoing LastPass issue. Yeah, and I mean, and businesses, and, and this is the nice thing about uh, postmortems when, when information comes out is, Businesses can learn a lot from the the mistakes of LastPass. I mean, don't get don't get lost in the uh, in the fury of the fact that LastPass is a security tool and a product. Let's look past that because we already know that they're not a very good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's look at what you can do in your business so you don't become a company like LastPass. Um, so LastPass says employees. Home computer was hacked and corporate vault taken. Uh, already smarting from a breach that stole customer vaults, LastPass has more bad news. Already smarting, smarting from a breach. What does that mean? Smarting? Is this, is this like a? Is this like an AI rewritten article that <laughs> they just decided to use a different word? No, it probably is. You're you're muted. There. Randy's muted. You're muted. It's like if somebody slapped you in the man, I've been saying stuff this whole time and it's like muted, but it's like if somebody slapped you in the face and then like five minutes later, it still kind of hurts. That's what smarting means. They've been slapped in the face. Is that like a, it sounds like it hurts. sounds like a British thing. Is that a British thing? (laughs) I don't know. You're probably right on the AI rewrite. Yeah. So I'm trying to read an article here and it doesn't make sense to me. It's not how I was taught how to speak. But anyway, already smarting from a breach that put partially encrypted login data into a uh, threat actor's hands. LastPass on Monday said that the same attacker hacked an employee's home computer and obtained decrypted vault, a decrypted vault available to only a handful of company developers. Although in the initial intrusion into LastPass, it ended on August 12th. Officials with the leading password manager, leading password manager, wow, um, said the threat actor was actively engaged in a new series of reconnaissance, enumeration, and exfiltration activity from August 12th to August 26th. In the process, the unknown threat actor was able to steal valid credentials from a senior DevOps engineer and access the contents of LastPass Data Vault. Among other things, the vault gave access to a shared cloud storage environment that contained encryption keys for customer vault backups stored in Amazon S3 buckets. Wow, who wants to uh, 
break well, that down in the layman's terms for everybody. I mean, I'll give it a try just because that was a lot of nerdy talk. Yeah, I almost broke my neck shaking yeah. my head because yeah. it's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. So all these little vaults you put your passwords in, they have encryption keys, which are literal keys to open them up. And this la latest revelation gave them access. What they did gave them access to be able to unlock those vaults, to get the keys to unlock vaults which we already know they have vaults. Um, they've not come out and said whose vaults they have, which is tray disturbing. Um, that's uh, French, by the way, Brian, for very disturbing. Oh, no, um, I know, I took French. <laughs> just kidding. But, but for real, we know that a bunch of vaults have been leaked, if not all of them. We don't know who yet. We haven't been notified. And now they're saying that they got into... The, the 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 place that held all the keys to the kingdom it's really but bad didn't didn't they always say that they they didn't even hold those keys like like the encryption was was uh it was even encrypted for them and and once you lost it you were you know it wasn't able to be recovered so so are we finding that that they were not doing what they said that they were doing so so they said zero knowledge like we don't have the keys uh -huh. but i think they let you back the keys up somewhere um, so maybe they didn't have knowledge, but they no, did. No, 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 no. They so, did. So no, no, no. Let's, they let's had try. they had them locked away somewhere. So yeah, no one could get to them until they got to them. Mm -hmm. No, somebody did no, get so, to them. That's a great point, though. But here, here's here's where it gets even muddier in my my brain. What they had were encryption keys for backups, right? Mm -hmm. So they're backing up this vault, right, to an S3 bucket. And they got the encryption keys to un to decrypt those backups. So if you decrypt those backups, wouldn't the vault still be encrypted? That's probably true, yeah. So what, like, there's more, there's more to the story here mm -hmm. than what we're being told. So it... The vault may be encrypted. Um, that's a good question. So it feels like we're going in a circle here because the initial the initial breach they talked about, and we talked about this over the last several months, they talked about how backed up vaults were accessed. Right. But why is this different then? Because if this is only accessing the vaults and not the keys to the vaults, um, how is this different from knowledge that we already that we've already knew and discussed that we've already known the fact that it was somebody, somebody's home I don't, I don't I think the new is is that yeah that this was done from somebody sitting at their house mm -hmm. and that was my big question is is why did they have access to even connect to that to that DevOps vault from home you gotta work from home you gotta work from home from so a home computer though well, I don't think they really meant home computer. I'm going to no. say the person was sitting at home on a work computer would, would be my we hope. hope. Oh, so, so you're saying this, this is a, we're, we're victims of a catchy headline. Yeah, I think it's it, I would imagine it says employees home computer obtained a decrypted vault. I would don't think that they were sitting on like his kid's computer and then move laterally to the last past computer, which is certainly something that could have absolutely happened. Um, and that's why we, that's why I think it's cool that we talk about this stuff because 
yeah, we're picking on LastPass, but this can happen in any business, right? These are all the things that we're mm-hmm. trying to make people aware of by doing this show. Is like, yeah, your so- your computer that you own for your company that you gave to your employee that you allow to work from home, that computer could be accessed, could be compromised by somebody sitting on their kid's gaming computer that's on the same network in the same house. You don't think that this stuff is going to happen because in the past it's been rare, but as we adopt this whole new way of working, these cyber criminals are working hard every day to figure out how they can jump from home computers to corporate computers that they know are sitting in unsecured home networks. And, and if it was a true home computer, I mean, that's not something that we haven't heard from before either. hundred percent. Right. Interesting. Oh, oh, well, you know, I want to be able to work from home and I, I need access to this stuff. Or they just have, I mean, I used to be guilty of this. I'm not guilty of it anymore, but I used to have a work desktop. And then when I went home, I had a desktop at home. I didn't have a laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, now I have a laptop and I go back and forth between home and work with that laptop. And I would absolutely back in the day, put things on my home computer so I could do stuff at home for work. hundred um, percent. You would hope that that's not happening in a company like LastPass. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think a lot, I think personally, a lot of uh, LastPass executives are going to be surprised to find out what their employees in the development environment were actually doing. And you're usually talking people who have high level access to things and they can give them ac- themselves access to stuff to do things like work from home and get access to things that maybe, maybe the executives at LastPass didn't even know that most of this stuff was going on. Like the, the liberties that certain employees were taking with, with their access from places that might not have been approved. Um, you would hope a company like LastPass would have this stuff buttoned up and they would have, you know, but clearly they didn't. No, I mean, what do you guys think? You guys think, you guys think this was like a, a rogue DevOps engineer who kind of did things well, outside it doesn't, the norm? It doesn't say that he's rogue. Um, well, it's not it, going to say in the article. I'm saying, what's your opinion? It does say he's one of four LastPass employees who have access to that corporate vault. Mm-hmm. And that corporate vault does contain the decryption keys needed to access um, AWS, which is Amazon, uh, LastPass production backups, other cloud-based storage resources, and some critical related critical database backups. So, pretty pretty scary keys that they had access to. I don't I don't think necessarily that he he or she was a rogue um, rogue developer. Um, there's a lot of people that work from home. Pretty sure the uh, the SolarWinds hack back in the day started with somebody that was working from home. So. You know, and I don't think that that was necessarily uh, somebody that. It sounds like this dude, it sounds like this threat actor had tokens because about three, halfway down the article, it says alerting and logging was enabled during these events, but did not immediately indicate the anomalous behavior that became clearer in retrospect during the investigation. Specifically, a threat actor was able to leverage valid credentials stolen from a senior DevOps engineer to access a shared cloud storage environment, which initially made it difficult for investigators to differentiate between threat actor activity and ongoing legitimate activity, which basically means 
the dude wasn't using a username or password or a two-factor, you know, uh, notification wasn't being created or sent that this dude had a trusted token and was able to take that token and log in probably from a computer well, of his own. Does LastPass have a, have an authenticator built into it? Um, it has an authenticator. Yeah, they have. But it, it also app. could have been that they had username, password, and and uh, authenticator credentials within the same. You would, you would it, hope that they didn't it have says, an authenticator, um, the and they wouldn't need a token because they're able to authenticate just like the main right. person would be. Yeah, I mean, it smells like 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 a like a pass the hash hook token stolen well, type situation when you can't differentiate. That's a clear sign to me that. They're having a tough time deciding, is this a legitimate login from the developer or is this because it's the same token, right? The only way you got to get you got to dig deeper in the logs and hopefully you have have deeper information in the logs. So you got to it's the same token. OK, what 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 kind of device, what kind of operating system was it a browse? What kind of browser? You need to know that stuff to to figure out if it's that person or not. I, I, to me, th this is most likely my my gut is it, it's a victim of, of crappy process. Well, it yeah. says uh, down right down in one of the one of the uh, paragraphs that it was a home computer. There was a third party media software that had a vulnerability. Plex remote, co remote code execution. Wow. And they key logger malware. So there you go. Wow. F lesson learned. And, that, and I talk about this all the time to people and they, and they look at me like I got three heads when i say this kind of stuff to people it's like you know your employees could have things running on their network mm -hmm. that have vulnerabilities that allow them to move laterally or do things and here you go the guy had a plex server running his, in his environment that allowed this hacker to go further which is wild yeah, that's why I think it is the home computer because I'm sure LastPass would have had certain applications on a loud list and, you know, where a developer couldn't just install a software just by himself. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's one of the big things why, why it's important. You know, people don't understand what's the difference between one machine to another. I'm still using it to access the same stuff. Right. One right. machine has tools installed that help manage it and, and prevent right. some of that other stuff. Mm -hmm. so. Right. Wow. Plex. <laughs> I mean, and this is the other thing too, like vulnerability management, understanding what software you have. If you don't have a computer that you can manage and you're allowing people to log into sensitive stuff like this from that computer, you're asking for stuff like this, folks. Yep. Um, you know, like people like Andre, myself and Ryan and Randy, you know, we need to know all the software that's on that computer, right? And we need to know what version that software is, because if there's a known vulnerability for that software, we have to do something about it. We have to get it off that the software, take the software off, update it, what have you. And this is why you do these things, because, you know, this this hacker was um, dedicated enough to his cause that he was willing to figure out that this home computer has Plex. I can take advantage of Plex and, you know, do damage. And here you go. Now a major corporation, I guess what I read at the beginning, the leading MFA provider in the world was hacked because their uh, employee decided to access sensitive data on his home computer that had a vulnerable Plex server running on it. 
Wow. Okay. That's just not something as an executive I would want to hear from a incident response investigator. <laughs> but but to your point earlier too, I mean, th this is why we pay attention to things like this. So every right. one of these experiences is, is an opportunity for us to debrief something that hasn't impacted us so we can make sure that our uh, policies line up and and would protect against things like this. I, I think all of these are learning experiences. This this is you know the true school of hard knocks with with regard to cybersecurity. Amazing. This is a very resourceful individual who uh, hacked LastPass. Yeah. Amazing. All right, guys. So we also have uh, our own government being hit yet again. Um, last week it was the FBI admitting that one of their computers that they, um, uh, use for investigations, uh, was, uh, hit, uh, and they were able to contain it. And this week we have, uh, the federal law enforcement wing of the U S government, um, hit with a major hack. Uh, I thought I read stuff about ransomware, right? The guy hit with ransomware. Uh, discovered the ransomware yeah. and data exfiltration event, yes. Yeah, so the Department of Justice is now investigating a ransomware attack targeting uh, U.S. Marshal Service uh, systems, and it happened earlier this month. Again, here we go, finding about out about things well after the events happen. Um, the affected systems contain sensitive law enforcement information, including returns from legal process administrative information and personally identifiable information pertaining to subjects of USMS investigations, third parties, and certain USMS employees, according to an agency statement. But not the witness protection program. They made a point of pointing that out. Well, that's great. <laughs> Those folks are still saying. Sure, sure. <laughs> Probably data related to um, a criminal that's being held that's Russian or somebody on Epstein's list that's being held or who knows what. But, you know, when I read this, I'm like, somebody's trying to trying to get something out of there. I don't even know if it's ransomware, but to get something out of there to help help a criminal somewhere. But mm -hmm. that's just me. I don't know. I don't know where my brain goes with stuff, but I'm just thinking you got to have some cojones to deploy ransomware on the U.S. Marshal Service. But I think oh. it, 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 last week, Brian, where where the U.S. government started to go straight after the attackers overseas, right. and now here they are now saying, "Okay, you're coming after us. We're going to come after you." Oh, you got a great point there, man. They, the, the other side too is it may not have been a targeted attack. I mean, how how often do we see that these are just you know basically net phishing attacks where they don't even know who they got until they get into the machine. They log in, they're like, holy moly, we got the U.S. Marshals. Because, yeah. I mean, it, it does <laughs> the attack was limited to a single machine, and then they disconnected that machine from the network to... Um... Yeah, when I, when I think about Russian hackers, I totally think about them saying, holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is wild. I mean, there's not a lot here. They're not going to release yeah. a lot of information. Um, this article just basically says what the U.S. Marshal Service does. Um, you know, they just connected systems on February 22nd, the service brief senior justice department officials on the incident. Um, <clears throat> then the officials in that meeting designated the attack as a major incident. The incident did not affect the database involving the witness security program. 
and their MB, or, uh, Axios is saying the big picture, uh, the news of the attack of the U.S. Marshal Service comes a few weeks after the FBI um, contained an attack, as I mentioned earlier. So they're not going to give us a lot here. Um, you know, they were attacked. I mean, I guess what I always say when I see these things is, you know, and, and Ryan kind of mentioned it, you know, these flyby attacks, they don't really know who they're targeting. They just know they can get in You're an IP address and they can do some damage and they're going to do it. Um, the fact that they exfiltrated data though, first tells me that they know who they had. Well, they probably figured it out pretty quick anyway, once they got in. <laughs> do you think this will be one of those ones where they, uh, turn over the keys and just say, <laughs> here, here you go. Sorry. <laughs> no. no, not after the, uh, spectacle that the FBI put on after they mm -hmm. took down hive. Yeah. I'm so. imagining some, some giant looks like a wrestler dude. That's like a, a criminal that's from Russia and he's in some super max totally controlled by computers and robots, you know, out in the desert in Colorado and all of a sudden his little door opens and he walks out because they stole the codes from the U S marshals. That's what I'm imagining. <laughs> So we got uh, another attack, and this one's pretty interesting because um, we're starting to see more attacks around the media. I remember The Guardian over in the UK was attacked about a month ago or so. Now we have, uh, a, a, I don't know if you want to call it a minor attack, but some, some of the entities owned by uh, Fox News and News Corp were hit with a, uh, a breach, and they... Uh, employees of the News Corp are being sent breach notification letters this week following a January 2022 breach that the company believes the Chinese government was behind. So this is over a year ago. Um, I guess they needed some time to figure this out. Uh, the letters were sent and dated on the 22nd of February 2023. So they say they initially discovered the cyber attack on January 20th of 2022 when a business email and document storage system used by several News Corp businesses was accessed. <clears throat> um, they brought in Mandiant uh, and law enforcement to help with the investigation. And uh, basically what they found out is between February 2020 and January 2022, an unauthorized party gained access to certain business documents and emails from a limited number of its personnel accounts in the affected system, some which contain personal information. Uh, the activity does not appear to be focused on ex exploiting personal information. We are not aware of reports of identity theft or fraud in connection with this issue. Yet. <clears throat> right. So, and uh, oh, yeah, and they are offering victims two years of free identity protection credit monitoring through Experian. I, I also um, love the, the the use of the term limited because whenever I see that, I'm like limited to 95% of their personnel. <laughs> so, uh, they're, so they're basically saying that they believe the Chinese government was behind this and the Chinese government, you know, I've said this many times over the years I've been doing my YouTube and, and my pod and this podcast is, you know, it seems like to me the Russians, maybe you want to throw North Koreans in there, they like to do the ransomware and the Chinese like to do the business email compromise and just sit there and, and spy on you and read your stuff. And it sounds like that's what we have going on here um, is that Chinese hackers or maybe even the Chinese government was sitting in on news corps emails or systems of documents and, and reading things. And why wouldn't you want to right? news news? 
organizations are typically, you know, they're tipped off by government officials, other people, they're doing investigations. They have information that's not known to the public yet. Um, and that's stuff that, you know, any government would love to get their hands on um, and, and maybe know, <clears throat> you know, who, you know, you, you may be talking to uh, <clears throat> anonymous sources, right? Those anonymous sources could be, yep, uh, you know, it uh, could be FBI agents, could be undercover CIA agents. You never know, right? And and now you have identified these people by breaching these types of systems. Those are the things I think of. What do you guys, what do you guys got from this? Yeah, I'm thinking the exact same thing. It's a matter of you can't really have a free. Well, so many many governments in the world hate free press because free press is going to call them out on their crap um, and their abuses and their overages and all that stuff. And so one of the ways to curtail that is if these governments get into um, get into some of this stuff. You know, we saw this with the uh, Pegasus spyware, um, where you could even actually get access to an iPhone just by sending it a text. Um, and it took advantage of the sandbox on the iPhone. And that was specifically being used by governments to infiltrate um, into reporters, um, because, like you said, they want to know. Um, you know, who are these anonymous sources? They want to know what's getting reported on. I mean, so they can, you know, overextend their reach or whatever reason that they're doing it. So, um, or find something that maybe wasn't newsworthy, but was, uh, worthy to them, something that was valuable to them. Right. Right. So, just a lot going on there with, you know, a, a whole system. You know, we're not talking about somebody's email being compromised. We're talking about a whole system that was compromised. It looked like they were on there for a significant period of time. Um, be interesting to kind of learn or know how they detected it all of a sudden. Um, and, you know, did they somebody notice something or did they put some technology in that gave them insight into this? Um, and this is why you need to have you know, detection systems in place. So, you know, when somebody's kind of murking around in your network and doing things that, you know, might, you might not want them doing. Uh, but if you don't have detection capabilities in place, you're never going to find this stuff. And people are going to run amok on, on your systems until they decide to hack you or steal your information. <laughs> so uh, moving right along. So, uh, we have an article here, just kind of like a follow-up to the GoDaddy situation. Um, and, and we kind of talk about this on this show all the time. Where, and I think I actually pointed it out when we talked about it last week when they used the sophisticated threat actor group terminology. And I always I always point that out when they say that. And that, that is kind of like the kiss of death when you throw that out early on in, a, in an attack is when you start – and you. It, and early on ransomware attack, like three years, four years ago, you'd always hear like a sophisticated ransomware attack. And then it would come out that like somebody clicked on a phishing email. Right. Um, and we would always make fun of that on this show and say, oh, yeah, it was really sophisticated. They just got somebody to click on a link. Um, and it was kind of the same thing when, when I read it last week when they said sophisticated threat actor group. And then somebody at Security Boulevard decided to do a write up and say, when low tech hacks cause high impact breaches. And that's what happened at GoDaddy. Um, and basically, you know, at the end of the day, they were able to call employees and trick them into navigating to a phishing website. 
Um, and in a filing with the U uh, U.S. Security and Exchange Commission, GoDaddy said it determined that the same sophisticated threat actor group was responsible for three separate intrusions, including a March 2020 spear phishing attack on a GoDaddy employee, compromised the hosting login credentials of approximately 28,000 GoDaddy customers, as well as login credentials for a small number of employees. Do any of you guys here think that that's a sophisticated attack? Does that qualify as sophisticated in your book? Now, I mean, in my experience, most of, of hacking is not what you see on TV. It's it's actually more psychology and con artistry. Right. Right. I get I like I'll say whatever was going on at Fox News, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that that was probably a sophisticated attack. You know, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how easy it was. But this a spear phishing attack on a GoDaddy employee, not sophisticated. I mean, some right. of them can be more sophisticated than others, but it's not like, you know, taking a, a string of vulnerabilities and using them to piggyback off of each other to get in a you know, right. some targeted system. Right. Like we're talking about the last two things that we talked about were more sophisticated than anything we're going to talk about in this article. Mm -hmm. um, and then in November of 2020, 2021, a compromised GoDaddy password let attackers steal source code and information tied to 1.2 million customers, including website administrator passwords, SFTP credentials, and private SSL keys. So a compromised GoDaddy password. Again, we talk about it on the show all the time. You got to know what's out on the dark web. You got to be using a password manager, different passwords for different things that you log into. That's not what happened here. Somebody had a compromised password out on the internet that they were able to use to get access to all this information. And it's pretty juicy information. It, it, I think it's beneficial to them to a certain extent to, to term it as sophisticated. And then when they go through and explain it like this, talking about SSL keys and credentials and whatnot, that all sounds sophisticated, right? But it's, it's still the equivalent of you know letting somebody in the front door and then them walking out with some merchandise. It just happens to be that that merchandise maybe is more sophisticated. The attack itself was not. No. This article also talks about um, this escrow.com account, where I think it's important for our viewers to know that when you are purchasing your domain, there's a thing that talks about privacy for usually about $12, $15 a year, because someone can easily then just look up your domain, see who the administrator is and call and act as if they'll, they'll know that it's being hosted with GoDaddy or whatever the domain company is, and then act as if they're that person and now try to trick you into um, transferring your domain or doing something um, that would affect your site. So I think that's really important for, for our listeners to know as well. Yep. And then in December of 2022, hackers gained access to and installed malware on GoDaddy cPanel hosting servers that intermittently redirected a random customer website to malicious sites. So we don't really know how that happened. They're not saying. Um, could be sophisticated. It could be just as dumb as somebody clicked on something and gave them access. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, the one thing that I find interesting here is about three quarters of the way down, the hackers were able to change the DNS records for the transaction brokering site escrow.com so that it pointed to an address in Malaysia that was host to just a few other domains, including the then brand new phishing domain servicenow-godaddy.com. 
the GM of escrow.com found himself on the phone with one of GoDaddy, one of the GoDaddy hackers after someone who claimed they worked at GoDaddy called and said they needed him to authorize some changes on the account. In reality, the caller just tricked a GoDaddy employee into giving away their credentials, and he could see from the employee's account that escrow.com required a specific security procedure to complete a domain transfer. The general manager of escrow.com said he suspected the call was a scam, but decided to play along for about an hour, all while recording the call and coaxing information out of the scammer. Um, and it basically goes on to say that this guy had a ton of information about, you know, their domain, um, knew what numbers to call, who to contact, all the stuff that they could have only gotten from, in, you know, inside of GoDaddy. Please tell me, um, too, that they registered that servicenow-godaddy.com domain on GoDaddy, because that, that would just be the cherry on top. So this is just you know, the way that this thing wraps up is just mind boggling to me. About halfway through the conversation, after being called out by the general manager as an imposter, the hacker admitted that he was not a GoDaddy employee and that he was, in fact, part of a group that enjoyed repeated success with social engineering employees at targeted companies over the phone. You got me. Here, here's all of my information. It's like one of those uh, cartoons where he just, like, divulges the whole uh, evil subplot. Yeah, but this is just another like vec vector of attack that I don't think a lot of businesses are, are 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 thinking about and training their employees on. Like, how do you know that somebody who's calling you isn't, you know, a hacker or scammer? Are you training your employees on on what to look for, or or do you have policies in place for certain things that we know? And like, I, I guess I I guess I want to caution against training on specific events because these guys are constantly changing their tactics. So what they're doing today, they might not be doing tomorrow. So, you know, I guess me, I would work on having very thought out and specific protocols for important things in your business. So everybody knows how to follow it. And if it goes untort from that or away from that, you then you know that you got somebody who might be a scammer or something like that. So and you need to always verify, always verify things. Um, and I think when you, you're talking about thinking through your process, you sometimes as cybersecurity nerds, we want to overthink and we try to think through, OK, you know, what if they do all this fancy, fancy stuff? And we don't want to be focused on only that and miss the simple things, mm -hmm. the simple things like in this case your passwords out on the dark web, you know, username, password. It's one of the most simplest things in the world. Um, so you have to have a, you have to not only look at the complex, but really make sure you're not missing simple, obvious things. Cause more often than not, it is the simple and obvious things. Mm -hmm. Most hackers are lazy unless, unless they've got a specific target they're going after. They're going after the low hanging fruit. And that's what those easy uh, non-sophisticated mm -hmm. attacking methods. I would say on a regular basis, go through all of your 365 users. Make sure there's not someone that was overlooked that should have been, you know, disabled or deleted. Look over your active directory in your office for the same thing, you know, um, properly, uh, properly offboarding people is important as well. You know, like we saw the pipeline hack came because somebody's um, credentials for their VPN were leaked on the dark web and still mm -hmm. available.
on, on a VPN that was no longer being actively used at all in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that's even worse. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> Dish Network's down, guys. They've been down for a while. I don't know if they're back up. Um, this article is about a week old. It started last week. Uh, it went in through the weekend. And there's drips and drabs of information kind of leaking out. Um, the Verge reported that uh, a, an internal email said that there were large VPN issues. However, Dish Network employee told Bleeping Computer that a cyber attack had hit Dish and that, according to their manager, the incident was caused by an outside bad actor, a known threat agent, and that the company is unsure how the person or group gained access. What do you guys think about this? Dish Network down, just an inconvenience? People can't watch TV or... Something more, more, more sometimes scary. that's the type of inconvenience people are going to be most loud about. No, 100%. <laughs> and it looks like they are still down. Their, their customer support site is, is still saying that they're experiencing a system issue that their teams are working hard to resolve. Yep. They're missing appointments. You can't access HBO Max, other streaming services. So, yeah, they're still down. So, you, you, you can't even watch TV if you're a dish customer right now. Is that is that kind of it or? Um, it looks like it's it's only affecting some things, not everything. Um, it didn't really specify exactly uh, where to go. Yeah, it looks like some 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 people can't access mydish.com, Dish Anywhere, HBO Max, and other streaming services. Well, well. We'll see where, where the fallout for that comes, yeah. how, how many customers leave, and, <clears throat> you know, hopefully they get back up and running. Um, That'll be one we'll probably have some follow-up for either next week or the week after. 100%. It smells like a, another rack space to me where they're yeah. going to be dumping Oh, my customers. gosh. That would be so awful, Brian. But there's just yeah. literally nothing to see here. Move along, please. Yeah, and, and, and move somewhere else. Which is phase <clears throat> one of here, here's your awareness, stuff. right? Yep. Here's your stuff. <laughs> Get out. That's basically what they're doing that are customers, which is pathetic. Um, so, guys, we also have this whole thing with this MetaBank. Um, <clears throat> and unfortunately, I can't read this whole article. It's paywalled for me. I was just um, going to say the same thing. So I don't know if anybody has a full article, but MetaBank puts the tack behind itself. And the article starts off by saying... Uh, cybersecurity specialists have warned MetaBank still has a lot of work to put in to remediate its online defenses. As investors poured into the stock on the basis that it had successfully ridden out the negative publicity garnered from last year's disastrous data breach. MetaBank shares have risen over 9% since the health insurer announced its half yearly results on Thursday. Wow. I mean, <clears throat> wow. I mean, I have so many thoughts about this. It's not even funny. Um, I mean, cause I see it all the time. Companies think like, Oh, we did something. We're good. You know, we can move forward now. And, you know, they took care of that wound or that one problem, but in the grand scheme of, of the whole entire puzzle of, of cybersecurity and, and frameworks and everything you needed to do to secure your business. Um, usually we see companies just kind of move on and not fill those gaps and those gaps need to be filled. So you don't have another event. It's You've a lot cheaper to take advantage of the short uh, attention spans that we have. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. 
And you're, um, you know, it's talk, talking about the stock rebounding. I think there's so many stocks that are doing poorly right now. You get somebody that's a big company like this with a jillion customers, their stocks go down overnight and then it becomes a good buy, you know? So I don't know that necessarily the stocks rebounding mean, hey, all is well. Um, and I don't think that means that at all, but I just think it means it's a good opportunity to some people. It seems like one at least you know, to go ahead and purchase it, which drives the, uh, the cost up. Um, but, but yeah, this mm, looks potentially to be um, another accident waiting to happen. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just going to kind of take things somewhere else and ask you guys all this question. I mean, cause we, we kind of all sell similarly cause we all know each other's businesses pretty well. And one of the things I think we all do in common is point out the people that, you know, loss of business, loss of, you know, your reputation is going to take a hit from this. Um, <clears throat> are we, are we maybe off there? Are we, is that a miscalculation on our part that, you know, people's attention spans are so short these days that your reputation isn't going to be hurt by something like this? Like, is like, I, I mean, I know there's companies that have gone out of business because they couldn't survive the reputation. I mean, maybe it's a level of how big your company is on whether you can survive or not. I personally don't think Rackspace is going to survive. I think that they'll get bought by somebody along the way, and then that'll be the end of the name Rackspace. Um, you know, you saw it with um, SolarWinds, right? You saw all their little sister companies kind of break away and yeah. get rid of the SolarWinds name. So I do think there's an element of that out there, but uh, I, I would never put stock in what investors do because especially now, because I'm, I'm kind of an investor or a trader myself and this, the, the retail market really skews things in today's day and age. So, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of retail investors out there that just buy on the dip. And when you have a cyber attack, you drop down, you have a dip, there's obviously going to be a recovery. And I don't know if I would take that as a vote of, hey, we made it through this and our reputation is is unscathed because we have people pouring money back into our company. And I don't think people should be making a comparison with businesses like that in the first place, because most of the businesses that we're talking to on a regular basis are smaller businesses that are not being traded publicly like that. And right. You know, they can't look at that example and go, hey, this this big you know corporation, Metabank, had this huge high profile incident and everybody forgot about it in a couple of weeks. So, you know, we should be fine, too. That small business doesn't have the, the, the war chest that a big Metabank does or even, you know, some of these medium sized businesses. They may not survive that one week where people have a short attention span and are, are tuned into it. Yeah, if you're a T-Mobile or Metabank, no problem. Your life continues, business continues. But in this case with Medibank, um, the company gained 35,000 customers um, despite losing 13,000 clients following the attack um, last year. So I guess they're running on, they're basing it on those numbers that even though they lost the 13,000, they gained 35,000 afterwards. So, but this, this, is, this is also why regulation is, is just bound to happen at some point. Cause yeah, so the, these larger organizations, they're, they're playing the numbers and, and, and they're just counting on that, that short attention span. 
but people along the way are getting hurt one way or another because their information is getting leaked. Uh, they're, they're, you know, losing out financially, you know, in, in the MetaBank uh, issue, you know, some of them were being straight up blackmailed for, uh, you know, really key personal information that, that hit, uh, that was exfiltrated. Um, eventually, People are going to step in and say, look, you know, we got to look out for the little guy. We can't keep letting these big corporations, uh, you know, swipe the stuff under the rug and, and, and move on. And so that's that's where we're going to start seeing, uh, you know, some some major pushback. Any more thoughts? No. So does I mean, when does I guess my question is, when when does the public start pushing back on things like this? Like when do they stop investing in MetaBank? When do they stop buying LastPass and LastPass company, you know, parent company products? And you know, when do you move away from GoDaddy and Rackspace? I mean, or do you just keep doing business with these people, or do you just think that this just is, isn't even on people's radar? So if I was looking for email services. And I come across Rackspace's Google ad and I click on it. Oh, look, this company looks good. You know, I'm, you know, is that, I mean, where do you guys think we're at think, on all this? I, on one hand, there, there's, there's a lot of people that it's just not on their radar. And then on the other hand, I think it's happened to so many customers, so many of these companies, like there's no differentiator when they do that research. Like I've got these five companies I'm looking at to do this thing. And all five of them have been hacked at some point in the last five years, you know, that it's, it's, you know, that's a non-issue. It doesn't, it doesn't factor into their decision anymore. I think it's got to hit their pockets. It's got to be some type of hack that happened where their bank account got, um, you know, um, exposed. Or their TVs got turned off. <laughs> yeah. Something, something <laughs> where it just, they are pissed and like, I'm never doing business with, with these guys again. It just, it just seems like we've, you know, we talk a lot about um, news cycle fatigue and how, you know, the most horrible thing could happen today. And we know three days from now, we probably won't even be talking about it in the news cycle. And, you know, maybe people are getting fatigue with, oh, horrible things are happening to you, happening to you, you know, via via criminal stuff. You know, like you, there used to be a big push like against um cigarettes you know if you smoke that's your choice but used to be this big push against cigarettes and seemed like a lot of people were afraid and it's like people don't seem to care anymore it's like they heard oh yeah 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 it happens and mm -hmm. they just blow it off and i wonder if you know do we have basically the same kind of thing happening with you know yep all my information was leaked say la vie you know i'm just wondering if that's the kind of attitude that a lot of people are taking so there's not really uh you know any kind of backlash on these companies but to that point, eventually there was a certain amount of regulation put on the, the tobacco industry for that. So the regulation, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, and maybe that's what's going to it's going to take. It's, it's literally what's happening in this in this whole entire industry is, reg, is yeah. regulation. I mean, I think we're still a ways off from like the tipping point of making it happen because there's so much money being put into the lobbies of these larger companies to push back on, on any regulation or meaningful regulation getting put in place. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you. Good show. Uh, I just want to mention to everybody that the, uh, there's also uh, in the news that we didn't touch on today, cyber attack on a Massachusetts labor union where they lost $6.4 million on misdirected funds uh, that were supposed to be going to the health fund and they had a glitch in their wiring uh, policies and how they wired things. Plus 
their email was uh, breached through a social engineering cyber attack, which resulted in the money that was supposed to be going to a healthcare fund going to cyber criminals. Our government seems confident that they can get that money back. Well, I don't know how they're confident in that. Mm-hmm. And then also we talked about just a quick update on that. Um, they're basically saying that this is going to cost them hundreds of millions of dollars to uh, recover from and that they are going to be down for weeks. Um, so just want to update everybody on that because a lot of times I just think that people think that, you know, these cyber attacks are a ransomware payment and you move on. And I try to educate people every single day that that's not the case. Um, <clears throat> you know, you're going to have lost and de- lost and delayed sales and customers. You're going to have, uh, um, lawsuits to defend. There's all these things that come out of these types of attacks that people just don't uh, account for because they don't have awareness to to what happens after you get breached. Um, and here we go. So this is only going to get worse, guys, as time moves on. The, the attacks are going to get worse and the financial damages and downtime are going to get worse for businesses. So take heed, do stuff now, reach out to one of our companies for help. We're here to help. And listen to our podcast and share it and get the word out. We appreciate everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care.